Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm with Nikki Kelly, editor-in-chief for the Indiana Capital Chronicle and our LarryInFishers.com podcast. So, Nikki, thank you for taking time out of what I know is a very busy schedule for an editor in a startup news operation. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's been an exciting couple weeks for us. And uh, we're going to talk about some of that here, as a matter of fact, because I want to start off by just telling the audience, if they don't know who you are, you you have covered the Indiana State House, I think maybe longer than any journalist out, uh, down at the State House. You were, for more than 20 years, uh, the correspondent at the State House for the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette, Journal Gazette and uh, when did you accepted the, the job for uh, being the editor at the Indiana Capital Chronicle. We're going to talk about what that all entails and what the operation's about, but I want to start out just by having you talk about your decision after all that time with one newspaper, one employer, to go to another job. Yeah, well, first I want to correct that Eric Berman with WIBC is the longest-serving State House reporter, so I, he's I still the dean of the press corps. I did not know that. Oh, I know Eric well. I'll have to remind him of that next time I see him, so thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Also a former Jeopardy champion for your audience. Um, we have a few former Jeopardy champions in the State House Press Court. But uh, so, yeah, so uh, I obviously loved working at the Journal Gazette. They gave me a lot of freedom. They were very loyal to me. We are a smaller family-owned newspaper. So there you know, wasn't sort of a big conglomerate above me. There was just some editors that I had close relationships with. So when this opportunity came up, you know, it, it was a definite uh, decision I had to think about. I was very comfortable and and um, could have easily continued covering uh, the State House happily. I, I was not a person who was looking for something or unhappy in my position. Um, but in the end, you know, you do look for new challenges and this way, all that institutional knowledge still gets to be put to work. I get to work with younger reporters and uh, help bring them along, which is a lot of fun. And I get to you know start up something new and and hope we can really fill in some of the gaps for state house coverage for for Indiana. And um, I'm sure we'll talk in a minute about the model, but it's it's a different model. So I'm hoping that that is a success in Indiana. Yes, and I do want to talk at length about that, but I almost hate to ask this question because people talk about local news going away and less local news. Is the Fort Wayne paper going to replace you at the Statehouse? Yes, they have hired someone. Right now, he's working in Fort Wayne for several months. 
um, you know, getting to know the people, getting to know the the town and the and the region that we cover up there in Northeast Indiana. Um, but it, they'll he'll come down in January for the session, and I think he's going to come down for a few days during the special session too, and start meeting people and things like that. So well, super happy about that. Well, I'm glad to hear that you are being replaced. Uh, that's some they are hiring another state house reporter. That that's, that's that's good to hear because an awful lot has been written and said about local newspapers going out of business. There was a report I just read the other day where two newspapers a week are closing in the United States. Um, so it's it, it's pretty 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 ugly out there. Um, but you uh, have a different niche here because the nonprofit organization that it was organized nationally really is, is looking at state houses, which are also starting to thin out their, their press corps. Um, they basically have tried to close this whole gap around the nation of various state houses. I think you're the 28th uh, uh, new, the 28th state house being covered by this national group. Uh, your, yours is called the Indiana Capital Chronicle, but uh, there are many state houses that, that your umbrella organization has organized. So, I'd like you just to talk a little about the organization that was formed that has now installed itself in state house newsrooms and how that uh, came to Indiana. Yeah, they've basically done surveys in various states to see what, you know, state news and state house coverage is. Uh, some states are have more robust coverage than others, um, and they decided to, that they were going to bring it to Indiana this year. Um, they've been opening a couple a year, it, it, it seems like. Um, I think Missouri is up next uh, for state's newsroom, and so they've got, you know, a system in place. It's a nonprofit. It's a 501c3. So for instance, um, the the site is free. Uh, We do accept donations and encourage them if you like what you're reading. Uh, For one reason, one thing we can't do, for instance, is we won't be endorsing any candidates because as a 501c3, we, you know, have to stay away from that. Um, But it's a sort of new model, this, this idea of nonprofit news and, um, as you know, with all the newspapers been closing and lots of consolidations or mergers, uh, this is a model we're going to give a go and hope that people will support uh, the news that they want and need. We don't have ads. I've had uh, people reach out wanting to, you know, place ads with us, but that's another thing we're trying to keep the site clean and, and, you know, so that you don't have to deal with pop-ups and stuff like that. So um, we have people subscribe to our morning newsletter, which will give you sort of the top hits, but you can go to the site to read more. We also offer commentary by um, various people trying to get some different voices in there. Um, So you'll see, you know, sometimes a Republican pop-up, sometimes a Democrat, sometimes a Libertarian, you know, sometimes groups. So we talk a lot about issues instead of, people as much. Yeah, and I want to just ask you about this one aspect of it, because people who have been at the State House for years and years will tell you that there used to be a robust press corps. Lots of people, lots of newspapers sent their reporters to Indianapolis from around the state. And as somebody who has a volunteer news blogger locally for over 10 years, what happens in the State House has a very big impact on what local governments can do and local school boards can do. So there's there's just a lot going on there that has a, a local impact. And and the fact is, there aren't too many people uh, who, who are covering the State House just to 
let's say, survey certain group, uh, a certain uh, geographic area of the state, the Fort Wayne paper, I think may be one of the last few holdouts on that. So how, how do you plan to use your new organization to look at issues that may affect local communities? Uh, is that part of your charge or how do you plan to incorporate that into your, your plan of coverage? Yeah, I always tell people, I wish people would pay half as much attention to state issues and news as they do to national, because everything that legislators and the governor and state agencies, imagine, you know, think about all the state agencies you interact with all the time, whether it's INDOT or BMV or, you know, things like that. So everything they do matters. We did used to have a lot more cities that had their own bureaus, the Evansville Career Press used to have its own bureau. The South Bend Tribune used to have its own bureau. The Gary used to have its own bureau, you know, things like that. So all those have gone to, to the wayside. Uh, Dan Carden with the Times of Northeast Indiana, he still covers state news for his region, but he does it from up there. They did close his Indianapolis bureau, but he's still writing about it every day. He's able to do that because he was there for years and has the contacts and sourcing but there's, you know, so much to be said for being in the room and being around the state house where the decisions are being made. And so hopefully by us, I have three reporters on our staff, me and three reporters. So hopefully we'll, you know, when legislature starts up or things like that, we'll be getting to cover bills that, you know, just the reporters couldn't get to. I know as a journalist, Fort Wayne Journal Gazette, I I might do two stories a day and I could think of three more that I would have loved to do, you know, but I you know, just didn't have the time in the day. Or the space in the newspaper in that case, because they only give you so much space on top of everything else. You talked about your staff. You have hired three ladies. I do not know any of them, but I've seen their backgrounds. All three of them have extensive backgrounds covering uh, state government. Talk about the three reporters you have hired to cover news for you. Yeah, so Whitney Downard has been covering the State House for, I think, four years for CNHI, which is a group of smaller Indiana papers. And so what she did was cover things like, you know, healthcare or long term facilities. She would look beyond the sort of big daily news story for them because they could get that from Associated Press and she would do other coverage that affected the, you know, 10 or 11 Indiana communities that her entity was in. And then Casey Smith worked for Associated Press for several years covering the state house. And so now she's uh, coming to help us and she's a great addition. And then Leslie Benia Muniz, she was at the IBJ actually. She didn't cover state house, she covered city news, very interested in infrastructure. She will probably focus a lot on like you were saying, things the legislature does that impacts local communities. Um because she has that sort of government, that local government background. So, but, uh, you know, Casey will cover education for us. Whitney is doing a lot of our fiscal coverage. Um, Leslie's also very interested in the environment. So we won't really have beats per se, because we all have to be able to jump in when needed. But uh, definitely each reporter has things they enjoy covering and have a bit more expertise in. I'd like to emphasize something you already mentioned. 
uh, because you are a free service. You have no paywall. You offer a free daily newsletter. And all you have to do to get uh, signed up is go to indianacapitalchronicle.com to get that. And I subscribe right away. And I, I one of the first things I read every day is what I see in your, your email. Uh, and you can go uh, check the newsletter for the latest stories. And, of course, the the website also is, is, is kept up to date. So I would like to ask you this. Uh, you've only been up a couple of weeks now. How would you describe the start of your newsletter in terms of subscribers, your website in terms of unique visitors? Are you, are you getting out to a good start? Uh, yeah, I've only seen a few metrics. Um, my Our headquarters doesn't really focus a lot of metrics, which I'm super glad about. I don't want us to become you know, so invested in the clicks. Um, as long as we're growing and reaching people, I think they're happy. Uh, so I see that happening a lot already. One other interesting thing besides you just being able to look at it or anyone is that because we we operate under something called a creative commons license through the FCC. And so that means anyone can republish our work. So any newspaper can run our stories, any radio, any television, all they have to do is give us proper credit. And so that's another way of us trying to, you know, get more news and information out there, increase civic engagement and really make sure Hoosiers know, you know, what their state government is up to. It's only been two weeks. Has anybody else picked up any of your material? Oh, yes. People are picking up right in our first week. The Chicago Tribune uh, quoted us as a story that Casey Smith had done involving Governor Holcomb. So people are definitely picking it up and reaching out and learning that they can republish. If anyone ever wonders about that, if you go to the end of any story, it'll have republished guidelines there at the bottom. And that's how, how you can do that. And we're also, I'm getting lots of people reaching out wanting to submit commentary. We also have commentary guidelines online. I will warn you that I'm getting more than I can run right now, <laughs> but I'm sure that'll slow down. Yes, that I, I, I would imagine that would be the case. You know, I, I got to ask you this. This is an aspect of, of covering anything with the state house or any anything else. Um, as I said, I've been covering local news here in Fishers as a volunteer for more than 10 years, and I remember getting a school board member aside, and he told me, frankly, he said, you know something, there's a big difference in how a meeting is handled when there's an independent journalist in the room opposed to when there isn't one in the room. Now, uh, I would suspect uh, that's true in the General Assembly, although you have some technology where you can pick up and, and watch just about any committee meeting or floor session or whatever. But I don't know, is there still something about having that journalist in the room that uh, uh, has an impact on how the proceedings go? Well, at least in the state house, the meetings and the sessions have been streamed live for years so I don't see as much of a difference. It's the little things on the side of the room that happen. You see who's talking to who, who's being sort of strong-armed on a vote, who's arguing over something. It's it's that kind of context and detail um, that's important. There was a an instance, I think, God, last year, maybe two years ago. Um, no, it was 21, where there was some heckling of some members of the House Democratic Caucus in the House. It turned into a very ugly scene at the back of the room between some House Republican and Democrat lawmakers. And much of that was 
off the, the video screen. And I do remember me and one other reporter were in there, just happened to be in there and, uh, you know, following different bills. And so that's an example of something that you wouldn't necessarily see on the stream. So it's still important to have someone in the room when you can be. Yes. Uh, not everything happens in front of the camera within the realm of the microphone that's on. So you're so right about that. Uh, I've covered many meetings which are live stream, but yet you, you get a different take when you're there in person. So, right, you do that when you can. I'm curious, you've been to the, covering the state house for a while. We talked about that. What are the biggest changes you have seen and what you deal with as a reporter covering the Indiana legislature and just state government in general? Ooh, cha- oh, sorry about that. Um, changes I've seen in covering. Well, I mean, just from a journalism perspective, when I started and you, you know, we didn't have Twitter or you weren't posting stories in the middle of the day, it's a different pace, obviously. You know, now as soon as a press release comes out, it's this huge rush to get something up on the web immediately and tweet it. And, you know, the majority of times that's fine. Every once in a while, though, guess what? There's a mistake in the press release. We've all written stories on it within an hour, and then we have to go back and fix the stories. And, you know, that kind of stuff happens. So that's definitely a huge difference. The impact that Twitter has is has been a big deal even just i've i've been pretty well known for live tweeting meetings and 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 life at the state house and um you know people see it and people react and so sometimes that's legislators changing a bill sometimes it's legislators you know calling me out on the floor or whatever works for them. But um, those have been the big major changes. Yeah, I would think that this instant communication with Twitter, where somebody can see your Twitter uh, messages as things are going on, you could have a legislator look at you with a, with a you know, strange face because of something you just now wrote. That's something that was not there when I started in journalism in the, in the 70s, for example. I, uh, uh, I do think technology, uh, this instant technology, is, is changing the dynamic of, of being a reporter. I remember talking to a reporter several years ago with the Indianapolis Business Journal, and she said, oh, I thought this was going to be great. I was working at a daily newspaper. Now I've got a whole week to you know spend some time, really work on my story. And that was the same time the IBJ was really <laughs> enhancing its online presence and she found out that not much had really changed because they were very concerned about that online presence as well as the print product every week so even for weeklies uh, in print it's it's really changed as far as uh, as far as that presence so I, I really understand what you're saying there I want to talk about something that's that's going on right now uh, because as I understand it many um, News outlets have tried to get in touch with members of the Republican caucus in both the House and the Senate and the State House to try to talk about two things. One is this, the original reason for the special session, which is this tax rebate, this extra payment going out. And the second thing, of course, is, is the abortion decision, the aftermath of that, what's the legislature going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of rumors, and I'd really like to know what you're hearing, that these GOP caucuses – in both chambers, they've been meeting in secret, but they haven't reached any consensus on the precise language of any legislation they want on either one of those issues. So this, this even though the, the Republicans have super majorities, that doesn't mean they all agree on everything. So I'm just curious what you're hearing about this special session that's coming up just a couple, less than two weeks after we record this. 
Um, well, I mean, honestly, what I hear changes by the hour. Um, I do. I only know of one House Republican caucus that occurred. I, I assume the Senate Republicans have caucus, but I don't know that for sure. I know they're counting votes. You know, they're putting ideas out there and saying, you know, for instance, just as just an example, you know, do we have enough votes to pass a ban with no exceptions for rape and incest? And they're trying to gather that kind of information. You know, how many people will be okay with penalties of this and this, that kind of thing. So they're trying to come to a consensus. It's easy to say, I mean, obviously they they well have votes for a an abortion ban, but the details are key in how that ban comes down. And, and I think that's what they are struggling right now to come to a consensus on. Now, from a journalist and a, and a citizen perspective, it's frustrating that all these legislators are refusing to talk to people because to pe- talk to le- legislators or talk to journalists, talk to citizens, whatever, because, you know, they've been talking about supporting, you know, ab- abortion bans and, and protecting life for decades. And now, you know, when we walk up to someone and say, well, do you support exceptions for rape and incest? Well, I don't know, you know, and it's like, look, I just want you to say where you are at. I'm not saying that that's where the bill's going to come down. I'm trying to figure out where personally legislators are on these topics because they are important discussions to be being had. and. As a journalist, obviously, who wants transparency, I don't want all those discussions to be behind closed doors. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The Speaker of the House, Todd Houston, is a local legislator for me. And uh, normally I talk to him once or twice a year. We usually you know, set up a time where we can record a podcast. I recently um, reached out to him, and, and the answer was I might be available in the fall. So I, I think <laughs> I think and this is a change for him. And I don't think I don't take that. It has nothing to do with me. I think it goes right back to what you're saying. Nobody wants to, particularly the speaker, but nobody really wants to go out on a limb to say they're in favor of one provision or another. So there's, I think uh, there's clearly a, a, an internal debate going on. It's going to be interesting to watch uh, once that special session, because it's not just the abortion, because the idea is how, how are we going to do these $225 payments? One thing that uh, was brought up, and I think it was brought up on one of the Indiana Week in Review uh, public TV shows, of which you're a regular panelist, is that uh, you know this is being done on tax records. Not everybody files a tax return. And so there are people who didn't get the first round of payments. And is there going to be some special arrangements so more people can be eligible for the second round of payments? So there are a lot of details to work out yet. Yeah, there are. And I'll, and I'll be honest, I've heard more pushback on that issue from, for instance, the Senate side seems very, very much more into paying down pension debt or, you know, forgiving using that surplus for different ways to lower Indiana's, you know, fiscal, I guess, debts or obligations. Um, so they're having to work on that on that one as well to get everyone to side, at least in the Senate. And then there is the question of people who don't file an income tax return. There are people on social security and disability, especially who don't file income tax returns. And the issue is, you know, part of that surplus, a large part of that surplus is built on sales taxes and everyone's paying sales taxes. You know, people on social security are still going to the grocery or, you know, buying shampoo and, you know, stuff like that. And so, Obviously, Eric Holcomb, when asked about that, says, well, you know, this is the most efficient way that we have to get it out quickly. 
which is accurate, but you know, it's not necessarily fair. And to be also accurate, it's not getting out quickly. You know, they've been sending these things out for months and still only like half the Hoosiers have gotten the first $125 refund. So who knows when this next $225 refund would come. You, uh, wrote a very interesting and insightful piece recently on uh, your, your website uh, at uh, indianacapitalchronicle.com, and it was uh, a history of special legislative sessions. I remember some of them. I've never covered the legislature. Only one time that a news director asked me to go down and, and cover something at the legislature, and that was um, in 1982 when they had that special session. And I was working, I was a radio journalist and I couldn't get the equipment to work because I'd never been there. So we had to kind of work around that. But I do remember going that one time and then wasn't very successful in doing so. But I think it's interesting the point you made that um, you really argue in that piece, this special session that's coming up here you know, this summer is unprecedented in many ways. So explain what, what you mean by that. Yeah, when I looked at the special sessions that have happened since 1970, when the current short session, long session scheme was put in place, um, basically they're almost always because of a budget issue. And mostly it's that we haven't passed the budget on time. So, you know, technically we have to pass a budget every two years by June 30th when the budget runs out. So, Almost always special sessions are needed because they can't come to agreement on the budget and it has to happen before June 30th. There were only two really, this new one and a one in 2018 that were abs- that have basically nothing to do with a budget need. There were a couple times when recessions had hit and our tax revenues plummeted and we had big deficits. So they had to come in to figure out a way to cut or raise taxes. Um, But again, those are budgetary needs. So in 2018, they just messed around. I I remember this night like crazy. They were just moving slow. The Republicans controlled everything. They're moving slow and messed around. And suddenly it hit midnight at the end of session. And there were five bills still on the calendar that weren't passed. And so they came back in for literally a couple hours the next month and passed those five bills. Um, But to, to have a special session you know, that really has nothing to do with a must do. Like, you know, we didn't, we don't have to send a rebate. We don't have to pass abortion legislation. They are choosing to do sort of these one-offs, you know, instead of waiting until November when they would come in for organization day. So that is very rare. You know, one thing that's going on now, though, they won't have a big impact because the, there's no, I mean, the Democrats and Republicans aren't close at all, but in terms of numbers of members, but there is a recount going on in, in my local area in the House uh, District 32. Fred Glynn was declared the winner, but um, his opponent, his Republican opponent, uh, uh, is asking for a recount, and, and these recounts are, are don't don't happen quickly, I guess, would be my my response. This, this uh, thirty uh, District 32 uh, encompasses a part of Hamilton and a part of Marion County. So um, it may be a while before we know who that District 32 uh, representative is going to be in the next session. Well, true. Although, to be fair, the current District 32 representative would serve until the end of the year, no matter what. Well, that's so true. That, yes, correct. This is for next year. Person, yes wouldn't be sworn in until November on organization day. Though it is an interesting idea that we do have some members in the legislature who were defeated 
and who are now going to have, a, you know, a say in these issues. You know, they were defeated after session and now they're going to get to vote on these big issues, even though citizens chose not to have them return. Yeah, we call them lame ducks in, in, ling, in political lingo, meaning that they've been defeated or they decided not to run again, and but they're still in the legislature and they're still casting votes and still having an impact. So, uh, yeah, especially when there's a special session, that's really when this, well, right. this comes into play. Right, and that's always the case, but because usually when someone's defeated in May, for instance, the primary, we don't have any action in the rest of the year. So lame duck status isn't very much, but this is, you know, a huge different consideration. I'd like to end the podcast with this. Uh, you mentioned this before, and I want to re- re- just reinforce this again. Uh, IndianaCapitalChronicle.com uh, is a free website. You can uh, uh, subscribe to the daily newsletter for free. You have no paywall, but as a nonprofit, you do accept donations. Uh, you make it very easy on your website uh, to make a donation. So just uh, a word or two why it might be a good idea to donate to your operation. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, we're all looking to have the information we need to make decisions about the state. And, you know, through no fault of their own or, you know, maybe some questionable business decisions back in the day that we didn't realize would haunt newspapers quite as much as they did, we're losing that. And so, you know, if you if you and I encourage you, you know, read us for a couple of weeks, see what you think about the stuff we're doing. Um, I, I get a lot of, you know, obviously there's concerns about media being liberal bias, things like that. And I just try to tell everyone, you know, I'm in charge of this one and I'm going to run it like I covered the the state house for, you know, 20 some years, which is down the middle and just try to focus on the facts and, and um, hopefully you'll like it and decide to support us. Well, I want to thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to me. I, I I was very excited when I found out this operation was coming to Indiana, and uh, you, and I was uh, it was heartening to know that somebody with your experience has been hired as the editor. And for what I've seen, you've hired a terrific staff. So the future looks uh, very good. I do want to ask you one quick question before we wrap it up. I mean, some people sure. may ask what. Who who's basically? I mean, uh, funding this up to now, you're obviously accepting donations, but you had to have an awful lot of upfront money from this national organization. Is it a large group of uh, of, of wealthy people or foundations, or is there a way to shorthand say who funds uh, this operation to help put you up? Yeah, um, they do all that sort of large fundraising on the national level. I'm not really involved with that. All our major donors are listed on the state's newsroom website, so you can look them up. Um, Honestly, it's a lot of foundations, a lot of, you know, civic leaders, things like that. But also, you know, I've been seeing as people donate to us, it's also just a lot of average Joes who, you know, want to support, you know, more news getting out there and covering the state. And I want to say one quick thing before we go. I I am very impressed with that section on your website about ethics because you school people about how journalists talk. Like, what does it mean to be on background? What does it mean to be on the record, off the record? I think uh, sometimes consumers of news are not uh, fully understanding what those mean, and you really lay it out very clearly in your ethics section. So kudos to you for doing that. Very few news organizations do that. Yeah. And that's important to have. I mean, over the years, that's one of the bigger issues you have, I think, is 
with dealing with sources is not everyone has the same understanding of those phrases. And so, you know, someone will say something to a reporter and then say, oh, no, that's off the record. Or, you know, it's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> not, you know, off the record is an agreement between the two of us. We have to have that agreement before you say something, not after you say something. And then, you know, there are other things like not for attribution or on background where you can use the information and you can try to get, you know, other sources around it, but you can't attribute it to someone. So yeah, very, very interesting stuff if people want to learn about that. Nikki Kelly is editor-in-chief of the Indiana Capital Chronicle. You find it at indianacapitalchronicle.com. And Nikki Kelly, thank you so much. Good luck to you with your new operation. Thanks a lot. And thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. Mm-hmm.